His story began as a typical Hollywood tale. With little more than $40 and a dream, Walt Disney's future awaited. Blood on the sand. So when you hear the words, go for launch, you'll definitely want to hang out. You know, we've been doing this act for over 300 million years. W Radio. Your information. Welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. This is show number 56 for the week of March 2nd, 2008. As always, I'm your host, Lou Mangiello, and I want to thank you for tuning in once again this week. I've just returned from Walt Disney World, and in addition to getting some work done for the next CD and new features I'm going to be adding to the site, I also came back with some great information for both the Walt Disney World news section as well as the rumor mill. In fact, there's so much to cover this week that I'm going to invite in Jeff Pepper to come in and discuss with me the variety of topics. In the news, we'll talk about some changes coming to Extra Magic Hours, the new Kingdom Tower, how to enjoy the resorts right at home, a new meet and greet, and we'll take an exclusive look at the new Disney Parks television specials coming to the Travel Channel and more. The Walt Disney World rumor mill is full this week as we talk about some big changes coming to the Magic Kingdom turnstiles and FastPass systems, is Illuminations really leaving? And a super sneak peek at new Star Wars Weekend's merchandise. We'll also talk about Star Tours 2.0, Indiana Jones at the studios, and a whole lot more. And celebrating its fifth anniversary this year, Magic Meets is returning this summer for another Disney fan gathering in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. Founder Fred Block is going to join me to discuss the event, some of the featured speakers, and how you can be a part of it. We have a lot to cover this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. My recent trip to Walt Disney World was not only very enjoyable, aren't they all, but provided me with some great information, both confirmed and otherwise, that I wanted to share with you in this week's Walt Disney World news section. Now, some has been officially announced, uh, or something maybe I experienced personally, and that I'll discuss here. Some isn't, and I'm going to save those for the Walt Disney World rumor mill. But since there was so much good stuff to cover this week, what I wanted to do was something a little bit different. So I asked Jeff Pepper to come on and go through the news and rumor mill with me, kind of discuss some of the topics that we're going to cover. So welcome to the news and rumors this week, Jeff. Thanks, Lou. Thanks for having me. I I unfortunately wasn't able to be with you there at Disney World, so I'm just as excited as everybody else to hear what's going on. Yeah, like I said, I think there's a lot of um, some interesting things that are going on this week. So let's start off in the news section, we're gonna, and we're going to begin over in the Magic Kingdom, because when I was there on Sunday, I was talking to a cast member friend of mine who let me know that Walt Disney World is going to test something a little bit different 
for evening extra magic hours. And now instead of getting your wristband and having to go to the different stations throughout the park to get your wristband and show your room keys and have them swiped, now all you need to do is show your key to the world card. Uh, Supposedly, they not only want to uh, test system out to see uh, how much easier it is for guests so they don't have to go and ask, where do I pick up my wristband? Where do I need to go? Now, if you're wondering, well, hey, look, you know, if I have a party of eight and I have young kids, does everybody have to show the key to the world card? That's the question I asked. They said no. They're going to kind of test it and see how it goes. You know, obviously, if you're if there's a group of 20, they might may want to see more than one card. Um, but I think that this might sort of speed things along so guests aren't wasting time. And that's really what it's about. So guests don't have to waste time getting on yet another line in order to get a wristband. Well, Lou, how does this affect... Um the wristbands in terms of require you know you need a, a wristband to get on an attraction in extra magic hours so what's to prevent somebody from not being entitled to extra magic hours staying in the park and then just without a wristband then being able to you know do whatever they want well that was my question too and this person told me look this is you know sort of a, a testing phase they're going to see how it works but it begs the question how many times a night is mom going to have to reach into her purse and get out her card and show it to people? You know, not everybody carries it maybe in a lanyard, um, so it's easily accessible. Is it going to be every time they get on an attraction? Is it going to be as they're walking through Frontierland? I don't know, uh, because obviously there's no way to indicate, did this person just show me their card five minutes before when they go from Splash Mountain to Big Thunder Mountain? So I I don't know logistically how it's going to work out. I wonder if anybody was there on Sunday uh, and had the experience of, of maybe staying for evening extra magic hours, how it actually ended up playing out, and if this is something they're going to do in the future. But also, Jeff, in the Magic Kingdom while I was there, I saw for the second time that day uh, something else that Disney is introducing, and that's new colored times guides. Now, these colored guides are actually going to be specific colors for each of the parks so that the times guide matches the color scheme of the map. So what I did is, Uh, On DisneyWorldTrivia.com in the blog, I've posted a picture of a Magic Kingdom map cover and also one of the new guides. It sort of matches that uh, pinkish purple color. And believe it or not, this is the the reason for this is twofold. Number one, to make it easier and less confusing for guests because supposedly the generic green and blue colors sometimes confuse guests, believe it or not, as to what park was open at what time. The other thing, too, is believe it or not, it's actually cheaper for Disney to print these in color than it is to print them in the single color. They save about 1.5% on the printing costs by printing these in color. Uh, I, I definitely think this is going to make them much more easy to recognize by guests by park and will hopefully avoid any of that possible confusion that supposedly guests were having in the past. It's And it's something that you and I and folks like us take for granted because we're sort of on autopilot. We've been so often and, and we're kind of religious in our, you know, visits that... It, we don't think twice about it, but yeah, I can see where it can be very confusing for people otherwise. Yeah, and believe it, it happens a lot because I even saw that morning when I stopped over at Disney's Animal Kingdom, there was a woman complaining, not complaining, but she was at guest relations wondering why it was 8 o'clock and the park wasn't opened. Well, she didn't realize that she was looking at last week's Times Guide, which happened to be the same color as this week's Times Guide. And there was no early uh, morning extra magic hour for Animal Kingdom her and there was a lot of people already in line at eight o'clock waiting to get in so like you said we take it for granted but it is something that obviously causes uh, a certain amount of confusion hopefully this will get rid of that 
Staying over in the Magic Kingdom, a couple of small notable things. The Chapeau on Main Street was closed. Looks like they're going to be installing a new marquee, and they're also doing some interior work. So I wonder what, if anything, is going to change. I also wonder if the hand-stitching station is going to stay there or be replaced with one of the um, automatic ones. And surprise, surprisingly, the Tomorrowland Terrace Noodle Station was once again open. That is expected to continue a full operation for lunch and dinner throughout August. Now, I went, again, sort of the end of February, not really a busy time of year, but it was open. I actually ate dinner there on Friday night with a couple of friends. Um, I had to do sort of the no meat thing. So I had um, the tofu noodle bowl. I also had a vegetable egg roll. And this, they had safe sushi there now, but it's prepackaged and it's sort of akin to what you might get at a grocery store. Uh, the food was good. I like the noodle station. I think it's got a nice little bit of a different offering. If you're looking, if you're going there for sushi, if you're a big sushi fan, probably not my first choice. Um, but uh, on the other side of the park, El Parada is also going to be open during these times for lunch and dinner. So you have now two additional options other than just the hamburgers and the chicken, well, chicken nuggets as, as i'll cover next um as as dining options and i think that's really good because one of the things that we've been noticing in going in the off season is the off season crowds are still huge i mean they're significantly larger than we're used to in the off seasons and it's been really backing up the fast food places uh the counter service restaurants have really been backing up so that's that's a really encouraging sign because most of the time the noodle station has been very very inconsistent except i guess at peak summer yeah, and, and I was surprised to see it open. Um, I mean, it was relatively empty, but uh, again, it's just something a little bit different other than the traditional counter service fare you can get throughout the park. And that actually leads me to the next bit of news. And you might say it, it's relatively you know, trivial, pardon the pun, but I get a lot of emails about this because the chicken, the chicken strips are no longer available at any of the counter service restaurants resort-wide. And we're not sure if this is a short-term thing or a long-term thing, but the menus have changed because now the chicken strips have been replaced with chicken nuggets. You get about six to eight each as opposed to when you get these three larger chicken strips. I tried them over at the Columbia Harbor House. They were fine, but obviously this seems to be a big deal for people because a lot of people seem to enjoy the chicken strips, but it looks like they very, very well may be gone and gone for good. So moving on to Epcot over at Interventions, there's a new hands-on exhibit in Interventions East called Don't Waste It, and that's sponsored by Waste Management. That opened up last week, and what it does really is provide visitors with some educational games that lets them understand what happens to garbage, how they might reduce sort of their own personal trash profiles, as they call it. And the response from guests has been overwhelmingly good, and there was actually a line to do some of the exhibits when I was there. Uh, I... Jeff, I've really received probably no less than a dozen emails from guests who really enjoy their experience. Joanna Smith actually sent me an email and she said, Hey Lou, just wanted to thank you for giving us the heads up on the waste management exhibit and game at Interventions in Epcot. Because of you and your informative podcast, our family really had an enjoyable time there, filling our trash truck, recycling our trash, operating the front end loaders and learning about waste management. We had such an awesome time that we had to do it again. Great job. Thanks. So, again, you know, it's nice to see something new coming into interventions that people seem to really enjoy. And, again, I like that level of interactivity. Uh, people are overlooking interventions too often. Um, I hear people say, ah, I never go to interventions. And there is a lot to do in interventions. And speaking with two young children with short attention spans, there is still so much that they really, really enjoy. One of their favorite things is uh, where's the fire? And... Um, 
we do, we do that multiple times. So don't overlook interventions, guys. Yeah, and I, unfortunately, the, the new Storm Chasers exhibit wasn't open. That's what I was hoping to get a look at when I was down there. Uh, and that's something I'm definitely looking forward to, to experiencing next time I go. And, and, you know, it's funny because you wouldn't think that... You know, you can't get your kids to take out the garbage at home, but hey, take them to Disney World, and boy, oh boy, they'll, they'll line up and wait online for it. So, <laughs> but uh, Spaceship Earth appears like it's going to be open and open for good. And while we're still waiting for sort of an official opening, even as some additional changes and enhancements have been added over the past couple of weeks, uh, there is going to be a sort of grand opening ceremony this next, this upcoming Tuesday. But it looks like, for the most part, Jeff, what we have now is what the final version is going to be. And uh, just a little bit of a background about the enhancements. Thanks to Siemens' 12-year, $100 million agreement with Disney that began in 2005, there's a completely new theme to Spaceship Earth, as you probably know by now, as well as a post-show. So let's just talk about a couple of the new things that, that people can find when they get to go visit Spaceship Earth. On the attraction itself, there are some new show scenes, there's some new lighting, costumes, set decorations. Um, I won't spoil it for you, but the ascent is amazing. There's obviously a new narrator, who's the Academy Award-winning actress, Judy Dench. There's also been an enhancement to the ride vehicles. You now have a screen in front of you that is going to sort of quiz you on some things. And again, without spoiling it, there are some interactivity elements to it on the descent. There's also a new post-show that's also going to use some of what takes place on the attraction uh, that you can sort of interact with when you leave on this large globe in the center. There's also some games that highlight some of the Siemens technologies. There's Bodybuilders. That's a 3D interactive game that lets you sort of put together a, a digital human body that simulates some of the Siemens technology used uh, to perform surgeries remotely by physicians. There's Super Driver, which is a driving simulation game. Intervision which is a view into the, the future sort of medical diagnostics that, that Siemens is very, very big in in the medical field. And there's also Power City. That's one of the new uh, exhibits, which is a game that shows you how to measure power in a growing city. Again, all these things are very, very interactive. There's also a new VIP lounge that for uh, friends and guests of Siemens on the second floor, they can go to. I actually had a chance, Jeff, to go up and see the lounge. It's beautiful, beautiful, very impressive. Again, it's not normally open to guests, um, but, but I did get a chance to go up and see it. And uh, having ridden Spaceship Earth this past weekend, I can say, and we'll, we'll cover this in a whole separate topic, you know, in a whole separate segment, I was much happier with the descent than I was when I saw it during MouseFest. I look forward to that then because I have not seen it since then. Yeah, they definitely enhanced some of the things that, that were certainly being tweaked uh, back then. And that's why I didn't want to give it a full review until what we saw was going to be the final version is the final version. So uh, we have something planned for Spaceship Earth. And at that time, we can really talk about a review of it. But let's move over to Disney's Hollywood Studios. There's a new meet and greet that just opened right next to the great movie ride. It is for Cruella DeVille and 101 Dalmatians. That's in anticipation of the release of the two disc DVD on March 4th. And just something else quick I wanted to point out while we're talking about the studios. I have a post over at DisneyWorldTrivia.com where you can see Don Rickles, the voice of Mr. Potato Head, sort of coming face-to-face -face with the Mr. Potato Head interactive figure over at the Walt Disney Imagineering Studios in California. Uh, the figure that they're going to have outside the new Toy Story Mania attraction that's going to be coming and opening up this summer looks very, very impressive and is really going to be able to interact with guests as they enter the queue uh, it looks really, really impressive. Jeff, this is something that uh, Toy Story Mania and, and this sort of living character initiative that they're bringing out with the Mr. Potato Head character 
are two things that I and I know a lot of other people are really looking forward to. Yeah, the New York Times, uh, I think a week or so ago, had a, an extensive write-up that really focused on – it was interesting because it really focused on the Mr. Potato Head aspect of it and really didn't go into a whole lot of detail about the details of the ride itself. So that's – I think, yeah, I think we're looking like – we're going to be looking at something really, really cool. Yeah, I think this is the start of that next generation of technology that we started to see with Lucky that we saw and we see now with Turtle Talk with Crush. This is going to take that sort of to the next level, and I think this is just going to be the beginning – of what's to come in the future. And it's, it's, it's interesting because this is going to be the first time, I guess, to some extent, where you're going to have voice interaction that is actually going to be coming from an audio animatronic figure as opposed to uh, a digital CG element like on a screen. Right, and, and not knowing where it's going to be positioned in the queue or if it's going to be on Pixar Place, you know, the, the street proper. Uh, if it's in the queue, again, this is evidencing Disney... Wanting to make the queue more entertaining and more interactive, much like you have over at Soren, to a certain degree what you have over at Expedition Everest, a queue that you enjoy going through and you should take your time to look through and, and experience. Elsewhere around the world, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to once again be holding their training camp at Disney's Wide World of Sports for the seventh year in a row. While the dates have not been officially announced, they'll probably be there for practice between July 25th through August 14th. Uh, the Celebration Hotel is usually where they stay. I would expect them to go ahead and stay there again. So if you're a fan of football or the Buccaneers, you can go and take in some of the practices at the beautiful facilities over at Wide World of Sports. And last week, Disney began offering something that, that I think is a, a pretty great idea and something that I've never heard done before. And it's called the Disney Resort Collection Catalog. And you'll be able to experience this either in your guest rooms at Walt Disney World and at home online. Because what you can do is you can actually go and purchase some of the amenities that are found in the Walt Disney World Resort guest rooms, as well as other sort of decor accessories inspired by these rooms. So you can now get linens and soaps and even electronics from some of their home amenity providers like Sealy and Wamsuda and H2O and iHome. So the soaps that you see in the room and the linens you see in some of the high-end resorts, you can now, you don't have to worry about stealing them anymore, Jeff. You can actually go and purchase them. You can go online by visiting DisneyResortCollection.com. You can use credit cards. Uh, at some point in the future, it's expected that you'll actually be able to use Disney gift cards and possibly either your Key to the World card uh, as payment. If you go, if you look online, you can get an idea of just what's available. I'll put that link up in the show notes again. Again, that's DisneyResortCollection.com. Very cool. And it's official, almost, that... Disney is going to be selling timeshares, and the tower that's going up next to the Contemporary Resort is going to be a DVC resort, because the Orlando Sentinel is reporting that Disney has won approval to begin, to begin selling timeshares in the $110 million uh, building that has now been called the Kingdom Tower. Uh, now, Disney, of course, has not officially decided to discuss the project in detail. The expectation is that they're trying to finish selling out Saratoga Springs and the new Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge, but new filings with the Florida Department of Business and Professional Regulation evidence the fact that a ninth component site known as the Kingdom Tower at Disney's Contemporary Resort um, has been approved and Disney can start selling these timeshares in phases starting with an, an initial 75 units. Now we've talked about the building in detail um, when the plans started to be leaked out uh, a long time ago, but this Kingdom Tower, just to give you a couple more details, 
It's going to be uh, contain 281 units. It's going to be connected to the Contemporary Tower by a fifth floor pedestrian bridge. There's also going to be a new swimming pool, large enough for 180 people. Uh, there's also going to be two hot tubs, a 100-foot-long water slide, two tennis courts, two shuffleboard courts, two bocce ball courts, and a barbecue pavilion. I thought this was interesting. A barbecue pavilion that will have about 500 square feet of covered area and a pair of picnic tables. So, I mean, it really is going to be one of those home-away-from-home resorts. But obviously, Jeff, I think this is definitely geared towards a little bit more maybe, I hate to use the word, upscale clientele um, because you can only imagine what this resort is going to go for when the, when the uh, shares do become available. Because it's it's going to be almost the closest rooms to the Magic Kingdom, would it not? I think so. I mean, certainly the closest DVC, but I mean, to have a DVC resort on the monorail with a view of Cinderella Castle, I mean, how can you, you know, anybody that I think was on the bubble and thinking about it, possibly myself included, this might be, you know, just what you needed to say, hey, now is definitely the time to buy DVC. And I think this is going to go incredibly fast. I think this is going to sell out in in a very, very short amount of time. Well, I think, and that's, again, this was probably the real hesitancy on why they've never made an official announcement because they didn't want it to impact on the sales of Sarasota Springs, or Saratoga Springs, excuse me, and um, and the Animal Kingdom Lodge. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how and when they time the actual official release uh, of the announcement and when they do actually start being able to sell shares because I think people are going to pay very, very close attention, like I said, especially people who may be interested in purchasing over at DVC. But, well, let me let me do a preemptive here, and I'm not, I don't mean to get you off topic, but tying into the rumor mill, I heard an interesting rumor, and it was it was about this. Is that is that something you were going to cover, or could I go ahead and ask you about it now? Sure, go ahead. The I heard it just pop up, and I just had no idea if there was any credibility to it whatsoever. That they were then considering building uh, another tower on the opposite side of the resort that would not be DVC, but just an additional, just normal contemporary ro- resort rooms. I, believe it or not, I actually haven't heard. I never heard that, but it's funny you say that because as I was riding the monorail the other day, I was taking pictures of, I guess we can call it Kingdom Tower now, and then as I came out the other side, the garden wing on the opposite side almost looks out of place, sitting next to these two towering buildings. Um, they they are quaint and they are interesting, but you know, you're right, what's to say that they shouldn't build another tower that's not DVC. I mean, certainly, um, considering that that the Disney resorts are at 90% capacity for the most part, these would be some of the rooms that would fill up most quickly. And obviously, Disney could charge a premium for being right on Bay Lake and on the monorail. Yeah, it was something that I heard mentioned that was tying into the news that you just broke. And so that's why I thought it was it was a very interesting kind of an idea. Yeah, obviously, something we have to pay close attention to see. Um, Like I said, I expect this to be very, very successful, sell out very quickly. And depending on what the demand is, that very well might happen. And finally, in this week's news section, is sort of Walt Disney World related, but on a a much more grand scale. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I had an interview with Samantha Brown, who's the host of many Walt Disney World related specials on the Travel Channel. Um, in case you couldn't tell, it was an interview I was very, very excited about, and I was grinning from ear to ear as we conducted it. But Samantha did tell us about a special that was going to be coming up. Um, she did talk about her Disney favorites, and I now have more information not only about that special, but I also have exclusive information about other new shows that are going to be coming up and airing during that sa- same time. On April 11th at 9 p.m., 
there's going to be Samantha Brown's Disney favorites, and she's going to travel from the east to the west coast to show her favorite Disney attractions, rides, restaurants, and characters in both Disney World and Disneyland. And it looks like she's not only going to ride some of her favorite attractions, but she's also going to go on a safari, dine at the chef's table, step inside the Dream Princess Suite, and she's also going to watch a unique acrobatic performance. My my money is on uh, Cirque du Soleil, Lanuba. But like I said, Jeff, that is not going to be the only special that week, and I think you're going to be excited when you hear about the three other Walt Disney World specials that are coming on. And the next one is on April 18th. That's at 9 p.m. as well. That's called Disney on a Dime. And you're going to get money-saving trips from travel experts. And they're going to be put to the test by actual Walt Disney World guests. And they're going to show viewers how to have a memorable Disney experience on a budget by using these experts' frugal suggestions. The next special is also going to air at 9 p.m., but this time it's the week after on April 25th. And it's on the opposite end of the spectrum because it's going to highlight Disney's luxury celebrations where viewers are going to be treated to a guided tour through the many different extravagant activities, amenities, and events that are available to those who are kind of seeking a unique way to celebrate special occasions in true Disney style. Now, events are going to highlight things like a fantasy honeymoon celebration, an ultimate Father's Day celebration, a castaway birthday party, and a dream anniversary celebration. And the final special is going to air on May 2nd, and again, also at 9 p.m. That's going to be known as the Disney Royal Treatment, where they're going to follow real families and guests as they become part of an elegant Disney fairy tale story. In the Magic Kingdom, they're going to be, there's also going to be an enchanted wedding, being crowned princess for a day, and a sweet stick steam party fit for royalty to show that guests' fairy tale dreams can come true. So... Jeff, I have to admit, I am personally very, very excited, especially for Samantha Brown's show. But some of these other ones really sound like they're going to be something great. And we know as Disney fans, we clamor for this kind of stuff when it airs. All right. So I'll put those descriptions as well as the dates and the times of all those different shows in this week's show notes over at WDWRadio.com. And Jeff, what do you say you hang out a little bit longer? Let's go ahead and get right into the Walt Disney World rumor mill, because I think there's a lot of interesting things here uh, that, that I think warrant some discussion between us. Okay. All right, we're going to go back to the Magic Kingdom. And I'm going to start off, and I should preface this by saying, I'm going to report some of these things as rumors, um, even though I think some of them are closer to being true, maybe, than others. But because they haven't been announced officially, um, that, that's why they're here as opposed to the news, se- news section. And the first thing is over in the Magic Kingdom, where I understand they're going to be installing new barcode scanners for both the turnstiles at the Magic Kingdom as well as the FastPass machine. And this is going to evidence some major changes that are coming, not only to how you enter the Magic Kingdom, but what's going to happen at uh, the FastPass machine. So let's start off with the FastPass tickets, because if you've been to Walt Disney World recently, you notice the changes to the tickets. They're longer than the original tickets. They're also on a different um, sort of stock of paper. And they also contain a new barcode, which to date hasn't been utilized. Now, this new addition has caused a lot of people to question what the significance of the barcode is and the possible future uses. Uh, although I shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't fear because the the barcodes and the use is going to be far less ominous than, than some people may have feared. Because what Disney is going to do in the future is they're going to start testing and implementing a new way to just speed along the FastPass system. So now, instead of having a cast member manually look at and count the fast passes, and also have to, to now ensure that the date and times are within the window that you're given, uh, there's now going to be a barcode reader that's going to scan each fast pass to ensure its validity. 
and in the process, obviously speed along the fast pass queue. So, Jeff, I think you know a lot of the discussion that's been going on about what this barcode is going to be, how it's going to be used, are they really going to be tracking a lot of things, is not what the, the, the intent is going to be, but instead to make the FastPass system even faster than it is and also take some of that, that headache maybe away from the cast members. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the rumors you're hearing, a lot of the speculation about, like you said, tracking, you know, tiered systems, uh, things like that. I mean, I think a lot of it was overreaching. I mean, I think we'll, we will see variations of the fast pass system but i think what you're saying is where pretty much the barcode system was pretty much all rooted in and it's going to basically they the, the thing that's very interesting about it is how strictly how strict it will become in terms of that window we know that in a lot of cases the the cast members are fairly flexible if you come back later than your window though it usually typically let you on it might be interesting to see if that uh that kind of flexibility eventually goes away with this system well, what I've been noticing, too, and that was a question that I had was, you know, you get different experiences maybe depending on the cast member because I, and I'm sure other people have brought fast passes back maybe from a day or two later and tried to use them. Some cast members say, that's fine, I understand, or you explain it. Look, I didn't have a chance. My kid had a meltdown, and they'll let you in. Now, because they're dated with the time, is it going to be, well, you can only use that fast pass after your window starts on that date? Uh, will they expire after that day? Because, I mean, if you even look on eBay, people sell fast passes uh, and people buy. You know, uh, is that market now going to disappear if there is a much more stricter restriction on when you can actually utilize the fast pass? Yeah, I guess the thing of it is, too, is what we've got to realize is that the fast pass system is, is very intricate in its um, crowd, excuse me, crowd management. I mean, it is a very sophisticated crowd management system, and the crowder more crowded the parks get you know the more important it becomes that people meet those windows or it potentially does throw off you know what they're trying to accomplish in terms of you know the fast pass system so you know i can see where they're trying to tighten it up the the more people they're pulling into the park and the more fast passes are being distributed you know they they initially if you remember back when fast passes started out you could only get one fast pass until you use the next one and they did loosen that up so they've, they've been tweaking it a lot but it's 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 kind of interesting where this is all going to go. Well, the person that I spoke to said, you know, obviously it's going to be a trial system to see what works, what doesn't work, and how flexible they can and should be in order to ma- maximize the guest experience with the use of the fast pass. But I think more interestingly is what's going to happen over at the turnstiles because over at the Magic Kingdom, you're going to see a much broader change taking place now because instead of the finger readers. And let's be clear, they don't scan your fingerprint. They don't compare it with one on file. There's no sort of uh, identification system like that. They just look at, at variables and things like size and shape when you put your finger on. Uh, they're going to install a completely new system that's going to eliminate the biometrics altogether. You're, that, what they're going to do now is scan your key to the world card in order to gain entrance. Now, if you look at your key to the world card, if you've been to Disney recently, you may or may not have noticed there's, that there's a barcode at the bottom. And, and that barcode hasn't really been used for anything, but it's an anticipation of what they're going to do. So now you don't have to put your finger on, and I've seen people put elbows on, and they're pinky, and try different hands, and sometimes it's a tough thing for some people to figure out, well, did I use my left hand and my right hand? Was it my middle finger, my, you know, on the left hand? Uh, It it sometimes could be a a somewhat laborious process, especially if you're trying to get in behind them. Now it's going to be a very quick, very automated process by just scanning the card, being sure that it's valid. One thing that I should mention, though, is that at the beginning, especially, 
They are also going to have a magnetic stripe reader because there is some additional information that's on that magnetic strip that they do have to read uh, that can't be included on a barcode um, because a barcode really is just a graphic representation of a combination of letters or numbers. It doesn't contain certain information. So they will have to also read what's on the magnetic strip uh, on the back as well. But in the near future, Jeff, especially, it's going to be starting over at the Magic Kingdom. You are going to see those fingerprint scanners coming out in, in lieu of the barcode readers. Okay. This all begs the question, Lou, and let's let's talk about it for a minute. Um, because it's something that it's always been somewhat confusing to me, but I've understood sort of the rationale behind it. The the finger readers, the biometric readers, were essentially put in place because they didn't want tickets being transferred from person to person. And that was by and large growing out of the whole people selling tickets. Um, you know, you would you'd go down, you know, International Boulevard or, or down 192 and you'd see all the little kiosk stands where, you know, get your Disney tickets and, you know, timeshare people that were putting on presentations. There was just all the scuttlebutt that, that used tickets or unused portions of tickets were being more or less fenced in that manner and I, I was always under the impression that that's where a lot of this came from and it was trying to serve as a deterrent to get to discourage people from transferring their tickets or reselling their tickets am I correct I mean is that pretty much where this was all coming from well I think it's less about that and, and we should be clear too that a lot of those ticket broker let me rephrase that some of those ticket brokers that you're talking about that are, that are on in some of the strip malls and on the highways are actually official, they're authorized, they're licensed by Disney to sell real Disney park media. Now, that's not to say that there aren't people who have taken tickets that have some news days, tried selling those on eBay, etc. I think really what might have predicated it was what still might happen here, which is if you have a group of X amount of people, and you're not all going to go to the parks on every day, you can say, well, I don't need to get a ticket for so-and-so, you know, or if a friend joins us, I could just give him my ticket, he can go in because I'm going to spend the day at the pool. Now, assuming that the barcode reader just does that, which is read the barcode to establish that it's a valid ticket, by all means, you, you're, you know, Johnny can use his mother's ticket and the next day his father could use it if, if they choose not to travel together or whatever the case may be. But I would assume that that's probably not as rampant or as much of a problem uh, as Disney must see. I think it's more so important to get guests in the gate as fast as possible because I'm sure there's times that you've seen Jeff in the morning uh, the line to get into the Magic Kingdom can sometimes be very very long partially due to the fact that these biometric scanners are either slow or the people who are using it just don't understand the concept and I think it's just a way to sort of expedite the whole process well if they're if they're doing away with the biometric scanners are they in fact putting anything in place that's protecting their assets from the standpoint of still trying to keep the tickets from being transferred. I don't know, and I and we should be clear too. This is going to be a, a test phase. This is definitely going to be a test process to see how well it works. And you know, maybe Disney has just figured this is not so much of a problem that if people are swapping tickets, it's not a big deal. I mean, obviously, an adult has to use an adult ticket. You can't go and buy a child's ticket, think that you can have that swiped and, and gain entry that way. Um, I'm sure they're going to have safeguards in place to a certain degree not to let that happen. Um, and it's going to be, I think it's going to be a very interesting test from a guest perspective as well as a company perspective to determine the success, you know, the success of getting guests entry into the entry into the park as well as, um, you know, how it affects, you know, the bottom line, like you said, about tickets maybe being shared or being used in that manner. I think that, you know, even though I've in, in, this, in the conversation we've been having, I've been kind of focusing on, on the biometrics and, you know, the purpose of it. I want to say that I think this is a great idea because 
between the bag checks and these these like you're saying these you know sort of bottlenecks that are occurring at the gates it is creating a real problem especially in those early morning hours and at opening i mean it, it takes an enormous amount of time to get through that main gate you know especially in that first hour or so and so i think this is a great idea it's just it's just very interesting and you know i guess call me a glass half full kind of guy but i just don't you know as much as people want to save money when they're going to, to disney i don't think people's desire to cheat the system and that's what you'd be trying to do with this by cheating the system i don't think is maybe as prevalent as as some people might suspect and maybe that's what disney's thinking is is they're looking at the good of people that people aren't going to try and and get away with not paying for tickets for everybody in their family and instead going to take advantage of, of what i think with this and the fast pass system of just maximizing the guest experience Staying in the Magic Kingdom, uh, the Pirate and Princess parties that have now uh, that now span a couple of months out of the year, they are going to continue. And despite rumors online that the Pirate and Princess party is not doing well as expected, Disney definitely plans on continuing the parties on the currently scheduled dates and might even be expanding on those dates. But there are no plans at all to discontinue the party. Now, having been there on Friday night, I did go to the Pirate and party, Princess party last week. And I have to tell you, Jeff, I like the fact that the park was relatively empty. You know, people complain, it's such a double-edged sword because people complain that Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party and Not-So-Scary Halloween Party are too crowded and they're selling too many tickets. Then when they have a party like this that runs many, many days and often is not crowded, they turn around and say, well, it's a failure. You know, they condemn the party and they label it a waste of time and a waste of money. And I wholeheartedly disagree. I think you get everything that you hope for and everything that you pay for with this. You get the extra events. You get a near-empty park for walk-on rides. I mean, I walked on Space Mountain. I walked on Big Thunder Mountain. Uh, There's no rushing to get a spot for fireworks or a spot for the parade. You really have that sense of having the park almost to to yourself, and I think that's part of that, that premium that you're paying for at these parties. So I like the fact that they're not crowded, and I think that's a benefit as opposed to, like I said, condemning these parties for being a failure. And I don't think that's how Disney's looking at it either. I, I'm curious as to, you know, that is why one of the first reasons we first attended um, Mickey's Not So Scary was we were under the impression that there would be a diminishment, diminishing of the crowds in that time frame. And there was to some degree, not to the extent we expected. So we did kind of have that expectation. Uh, Pirates and Princess is tough because... It's it's a it's an odd mix. I mean, it, it's it's just very very strange, and I think it doesn't have the selling power that clearly the holiday, um, you know, parties do have. So it, it's I could see where it's been a tough thing to market, especially to non-families. Uh, I think it's it, it can be a bit of a tough sell to to you know single young marrieds things like that. Again, it's what you're looking for out of the party, and I think it definitely is geared towards people with younger families, with younger kids, and and the games uh, that are up in and around Tomorrowland, I think evidence is that fact. There's a lot of dance parties and interactive games where kids can play things, and even you know the the pirate booty that you go get i mean they're bees and they're jewels and they're things like that things that an adult uh might not care about however if you are an adult and you say you know what i love the magic kingdom at night and i hate when it's so crowded i, I would love to have sort of have that feeling of having the park to myself then yeah it might be worth that extra 40 dollars to go and be able to walk on big thunder at night and walk on space mountain at night and experience the uh different parade and the different fireworks show which i think is great both of which I think are great at uh, at Pirates and Princess. Um, do I think that maybe there are 
uh, equal? Do I like some of the other ones better? Sure. But it doesn't mean that I think the, the party is not a success or a failure or is not something that can be enjoyed, again, depending on what you're going in there for and looking to do. I agree. Just before we finish up over in the Magic Kingdom, there were two filings by Imagineering for permits that I thought were of note. One was for something called the Fantasyland Circus Wagon. And uh, not quite sure what that is. It sounds like it might be a new DVC kiosk over in Fantasyland. Uh, I'm not really sure. I'll put a link up to the Orange County Comptroller's Office where you can actually take a look at what's a very uh, basic filing and and. As we start transitioning over to Epcot, I'll mention one that was filed for there as well, which is something called the World Showcase Interactive Trailer Package. Now, I'm wondering if this is something for the upcoming Kim Possible game, which is supposed to return, or maybe will they be testing what I think is a very successful trial run of Disney's Magical Connection device uh, over at uh, with the Nintendo DS's over in Epcot's World Showcase. Now, the big rumor, Jeff, coming out of uh, Epcot is that we might be saying goodbye to Illuminations. Uh, there's been a rumor for some time that Illuminations, in its current incarnation, may be going away. What I can tell you is what's, the first thing that's going to change about Illuminations is the name, because it is going to start to be referred to as the Nighttime Fireworks Spectacular, and Epcot cast members have already been told to begin referring to it as such and to avoid the use of the name Illuminations. Now, I'm expecting that to start showing up in the Times Guide very soon. Actually, if you look at the Magic Kingdom's Times Guide, it's called Wishes Nighttime Fireworks Spectacular. Now, the reason for this, according to my source, is both to avoid guest confusion, and again, going back to taking things for granted, guests don't always realize that Illuminations is the fireworks show, and then people ask, you know, where and when are the fireworks, and it's also in anticipation of a new updated show um, beyond some of the changes that, that people have been seeing over the last few nights, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, it's also possible that they may be rebranding Wishes in the same way. So you're now going to have the Magic Kingdom Nighttime Spectacular and the Epcot Nighttime Fireworks Spectacular. So I'm not saying that I, I love it or hate it. I'm kind of just, you know, don't shoot the messenger. Um, I don't make the news. I just report it. But this is what I had, uh, have been told although I also have heard additional rumors about the show itself changing. Now, I did receive a couple of emails over the past couple of days about guests who have seen Illuminations realizing that something has changed and it has been a little bit different. It's been a little bit shorter. Uh, The Illuminations globe is also not part of the show. Uh, What I am understanding is that um, there have been some issues with the globe, that it does need... um, some definite refurbishments. So they've been doing some sort of test shows without the globe. They want to kind of gauge the audience response. It is going to come back at least for the time being, once the test is over, uh, Disney and Imagineering is going to determine whether it worked, whether they need the globe, whether it needs to be tweaked, whether it needs to be rebuilt or they need to do something else. But uh, it definitely does look as though Jeff, that not only is the name going to change, but we are going to see a new nighttime spectacular because that's what it's going to be called to replace or sort of uh, supplement what we have now with Illuminations. Well, that really does, in a way, tie into Siemens' uh, sponsorship deal because they, that was part of their sponsorship deal in terms of, you know, they, they sponsor Spaceship Earth, but they were also sponsoring uh, Illuminations. And as, as everybody knows, if you look at Spaceship Earth after Illuminations, you'll see you know, the Siemens um, brand projected on the globe. So it's it's kind of interesting i can't imagine that siemens would come on board 
and do a very distinct sponsorship in that regard without really either keeping the show the way it is or doing a significant change that then they will very publicly you know have a lot of ballyhoo and and hoopla about right i remember too that the current incarnation of illuminations for the most part has remained unchanged for the past eight years and relatively speaking that's a long time not to have an updated show i mean we've all seen seen illuminations many many times um it's it's obviously one of the most beloved the most one of the most moving of all the fireworks shows, but it might be time for an update, and I think that's what we're going to be seeing probably over the next few months, possibly over the next year or so. And again, like you said, might be tying into the whole corporate sponsorship change as well. Yeah, and let's be clear, Jeff. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I like this, but what I what I think is most likely going to happen is you're probably going to see them rebranded to be something like, you know, the Wishes, you know, Magic Kingdom Nighttime Fireworks Spectacular, or whatever the new name is, you know, Fireworks X nighttime fireworks spectacular so there's some consistency across the board people know that when they see nighttime fireworks spectacular that translates into this is the magic kingdom fireworks show this is the epcot fireworks show moving over to disney's hollywood studios um, i received a lot of emails from people asking me about the new changes coming over by pixar place and toy story mania Uh, there are rumors out there that there may be a monsters inc roller coaster ride as well as a buffet style restaurant themed to ratatouille a Nightmare Before Christmas Dark Ride. Uh, I think a lot of these things, Jeff, are just internet rumors that sort of are just kind of making their way around. I've heard nothing concrete about that. Uh, Of course, as I do hear anything additional, I will let you know. I mean, I don't want to start sort of fueling rumors that might already sort of have a life of their own. But what I did here is something I think is very interesting because the next movie in the Indiana Jones franchise, a franchise which I admittedly loved as a kid and I'm looking forward to seeing when it comes out, is Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And that's set to be released in theaters on May 22nd. Now, when that comes out, there's a lot of people who are going to be very happy, very longtime indie fans, who, with the obvious anticipation that something might be coming over to Walt Disney World, specifically the studios, because we have the Indiana Jones epic stunt spectacular and the surrounding themed area, what I'm understanding is that not only is there going to be no new Indiana Jones merchandise coming to the studios, but there's not going to be any changes coming to the Indiana Jones epic stunt spectacular. Now, this doesn't make any sense considering how popular the franchise is, how popular the show still is, and obviously, Jeff, clearly, I mean, the the synergy of updating the show and the area and capitalizing on what is most likely going to be a very, very successful film begs the question of why. Uh, I have heard things that some of the issues, you know, may go beyond just uh, the Disney connection to the franchise. It might involve uh, the relationship with Steven Spielberg. But unfortunately, again, being a fan of the franchise and, and anticipating something new coming there, that looks like it's not going to happen. And the ironic thing there is also that the fact that the movie title is just very distinctly not taken from or inspired by the Tokyo Disneyland attraction, but is similar in name. Yeah, and, and there's it's clearly, I mean, the show still does well, and the show is great because it holds a lot of people, but the possibilities for what they could do, even if they updated the show, or if they were to take it away, we've talked about obviously bringing in something akin to the Indiana Drones ride that exists over in Disneyland. I mean, it would be a perfect fit, and like I said, a perfect way to capitalize on reaching a whole new generation of indie fans that are going to be born of this new film. And, you know, with, it's also interesting because we, you know, we haven't had any kind of confirmation from the company whatsoever 
as to the retooling of Star Tours, another Lucasfilm property. And, and you know, we'd basically heard that, you know, there was a, a, a kind of cooling of the relationship between uh, Lucas and Disney. It kind of was revisited when Bob Iger took over and hopefully, you know, fences were mended a little bit there as well. So, you know, I was kind of holding out a lot of hope that when we were hearing a lot of the rumors about the new Star, Star Tours 2.0, that we would also see some some life breathe back into the indie attraction because you know it is it, it it has remained totally unchanged since the studio was opened in 1989 to the to the point you just said where there's just been absolutely no revisions or changes it seems it seems odd as you said well that's actually where i was going next was to talk about star you know quote-unquote star tours 2.0 but i have to mention something because when i was down there i was with eric hollister from geo mouse who did the marathon challenge and he had a great idea for a piece of merchandise that i'm sure would sell incredibly well just imagine how cool an indiana jones mickey big fig would be with the with the hat and the whip and the whole look i mean that's something just think of the different merchandising possibilities that could be tied in beyond just pins and things like that uh with the new franchise but anyway let's move over to star tours 2.0 because for a long time that has been rumored that was fueled by some rumors that came out that anthony daniels supposedly had leaked and anthony daniels plays c-3po he had leaked the fact that he was doing work on a star tours update from what i understand that uh, uh update has been very seriously delayed according to some insiders now without stating specifics they did say that there were some issues with Lucas and Lucasfilm, and not that there's any necessarily bad blood, because like you said, Jeff, I think some of those fences were mended uh, by, Bob, by, by Bob Iger and the company, but it's also due to the fact that Lucas is so busy with so many other projects, including the Star Wars Clone Wars series and a new live-action series and everything else that's going on. This is just not highest on the priority list, um, so maybe these rumors of Lucasland and all these updates probably won't be happening till at least 2010. And I, th I think that that does speak to Lucas's desire for perfection for, you know, things to be executed to the to the level that he wants them done and and I think I, I think you're right that there real there's a lot of people read into things. I I've, I've seen rumors now and then, you know, you know saying that there was even and there was animosity and there really wasn't even to my knowledge even, you know, with Michael Eisner when there was people saying that Michael Eisner got contentious about things like that you know you did not see star tours merchandise go away i mean in fact you've seen over the past quite a few years just this elevation of sort of mixing the mythologies you, you know with with the level of merchandise where you know mickey and minnie are in star wars attire they're doing the little action figures they're doing the big figs you've seen a real sort of welcoming merger of the two in that regard and a degree of really entertaining synergy so i don't i don't think there's that i think it is what you're saying i think you know lucas has so much on his plate and and my hope is is that with the clone wars tv series that's coming later that's actually going to be now released the first part of it's going to be released as a feature film in theaters and then supposedly the second star wars television program that's going to go into production um, hopefully later this year with that and the indiana jones movie Maybe we're just like you said, just once once Lucas gets his plate cleared a little bit with all these projects and then work working back to bring them to the parks in a really good constructive way. Well, talking about synergy and merchandise and big figs, my next rumor, and I have to kind of report it as rumor, is one of the ones I was most excited about hearing. Um, because we're talking about merchandise. Star Wars Weekends is coming up every weekend in June, sixth to the eighth, thirteenth through the fifteenth. 
20th through the 22nd and 27th and 29th. And Jeff, I'm going to tell you what the new series of Star Wars Big Figs are, uh, because these are some of, if not the most popular pieces of merchandise during Star Wars weekend. And, and to kind of bring that fact home, go to eBay and try and do a search for a goofy uh, Darth Vader Big Fig, you know, some of which are going for upwards of $500. But I, I've, I have on, on very good authority what the next four Big Figs are going to be. And the first one is, love it or hate it, it's going to be Goofy Jar Jar. You're going to have Minnie as Amadala. Mickey is most likely going to be Anakin. And I think the piece de resistance, the coolest of the cool, is a Donald Duck Darth Maul with the double glowing lightsaber. And and this is very just bittersweet because I really wanted one or two of the big figs from last year and they were gone and they've not come back. <laughs> the initial Mickey, you know, has been generally available. Um, you know, it came out kind of sold out that first year but then it it reappeared in the stores a few months later and it's been basically for the most part in stock but that second wave has never rematerialized and unfortunately i'm hoping if i can get down there we do have plans to be down there in june i would like to be able to i I do like the idea of that donald duck you're talking about yeah i I have a (laughs) feeling he's going to be very very popular and uh that this might actually warrant a special trip down just to go and pick one because that's something I can see selling out the first couple of weekends uh, because I think that the series has grown uh, the, the Big Fig series has grown in popularity year after year and there's actually one other piece of merchandise coming out that I was asked not to reveal that I'm telling you is so cool and is going to appeal, appeal to kids and adults and Star Wars fans and Disney fans alike um, that if this gets made and what I understand it's going to be I think it's going to be really, really, really neat. So hopefully as it gets closer, um, I'll be able to talk about it some more. Well, whisper to me right now. Oh, my God. You did it. <laughs> All right. It's not that cool, but I think it's cool because I'm a big Star Wars geek. So, <laughs> But, yeah, I- I'm really looking forward to seeing um, the big figs. Obviously, they're all themed after episode one. Um, you know, you can only just start to kind of wonder what the series after these are going to be. But. Let's move over to Disney's Animal Kingdom, and not specifically the Animal Kingdom itself, but because of the emails I got recently, I have to kind of address this, because I reported in the rumor mill back in January about the $300 nighttime-only park coming to Walt Disney World. Uh, This generated uh, a a pretty considerable buzz via email that I received, but there was a lot that I really couldn't talk about at the time um, for, for a number of reasons. But this rumor seems to have kind of gotten renewed life thanks to it being written about on another website online. And like I said, at the time that I reported it, I was asked not to reveal certain information, but now that some of it and what I know is, has come to light, I'm more able to talk about it. And I think, Jeff, what we should do really is because of the magnitude of this, this rumor and something that I think is definitely going to happen, uh, we should really do a separate segment about this because this, this segment's really kind of running long and I want to talk some more about what I've heard as well as what I've seen uh, and sort of get some opinions on what we think uh, about the park, about the viability of the park, about the concept in its whole. But what I can say this week is based upon some of the things that I have learned from multiple sources um, that have not been revealed online. It definitely does look like Night Kingdom is definitely going to happen. And um, again, we'll save some of those additional details when we cover this um, in a separate segment. But all right, Jeff, moving on sort of beyond the parks, we just have a couple of more rumors. And the first one is over 
at Disney's Beach Club Resort, where I talked in the in the past about Ariel's, which is now closed. It was another dining location. It's been closed for a while, been used for special events and private parties, but it's supposedly going to become a grab-and-go 24-hour food store. Well, I heard from Sue from Brooklyn, who wrote to me and said, Lou, our all-time favorite place for burgers and ice cream is Beaches and Cream, but our biggest complaint is always that there's a long wait. Well, we've heard from a cast member that plans had just been approved to expand the seating area into the takeout area, and the takeout will be part of Ariel's, which is also changing. It should take about a year, but it's going to be well worth the wait. Well, I told her that I had heard about the grab-and-go, and we went back and forth on emails a couple of times. And in thinking about it, Jeff, next to Beaches and Cream, uh, there is the little area where you can do takeout, but on the opposite side is the arcade. So I'm wondering if it would make more sense for Beaches and Cream to expand into the arcade area a bit, Maybe put the takeout areas uh, as there as well, some additional seating. Uh, granted, I understand the arcade does bring in money, and it's obviously very popular. But then again, Beaches and Cream is so popular, like she said, it's often a tough ticket to get into. So maybe they'll move the arcade over or shrink the arcade a little bit. Maybe move the arcade over to Ariel's uh, and expand Beaches and Cream, or we're going to have to look and see. But it definitely does look as though Beaches and Cream is going to expand and they're also going to add this 24-hour grab-and-go, which is something I think is definitely needed uh, over in that area of the resort. And that would all integrate really well with what you're saying, with the, sort of the combining them both. And it, it kind of moves towards some of these higher-concept you know, combination locations like that are in Pop Century and places like that. Absolutely. And finally, Jeff, you know, we've talked in the past uh, in the news and in the rumors section about Disney expanding beyond the theme park to different experiences, either in the United States or around the world. And in the wake of some articles that appeared online about Disney's possible interest in buying property over in Australia, uh, a longtime listener emailed me and he did confirm he works for the for the government. He says that those conversations did take place and uh, that. Uh, the Disney company has been looking at a piece of prime real estate on Sydney Harbor called White Bay, which is a working port near the Anzac Bridge, as it really kind of looks to expand beyond just the United States and, and Europe and Asia. And what he did tell me, too, is that Disney might be looking to do something more, and he called it sort of like a virtual park, due to the size limitations. Uh, Sega tried doing an indoor park in Sydney in the early 80s. That had some limited success. Um, but the location here is, is like he said, it's prime real estate. It is somewhat limited, so you might not be able to build a full-scale theme park, but Disney definitely is looking to possibly ex- expand here. What I'll do is I'll put some links up to really get an idea of the location and the views and exactly where this is, as well as uh, what Sega had put there once before, and sort of a, a Google map view of exactly where this would be. Um, and you'll see yeah. really why so many people are interested in, in possibly putting something here. Yeah, and the, the key thing there, though, is in, in reading uh, some of the reports on this, I think what's important to realize is that this would very likely not be another transplanted uh, Magic Kingdom-type park. In fact, what you were saying is like going with sort of Disney's recent you know, plans that you know, Jay Rizzullo was very big on with you know, themed entertainment complexes. Um, a couple of the things there is that particular location there are some definite flaws in it as it would be in context to a traditional theme park. There are noise issues, there are traffic issues, um, there's a lot of sort of issues that make it look very incompatible for for Disney parks as we know them. So it would it, it really leads you to believe that this is going to be something very, very non-traditional. Yeah, and, and it's 
you know, it's going to be interesting to see as we sort of follow this along what that might be. You know, Disney, like you said, has talked about bringing different types of experiences around the world, and, and this very well just might be one of them. And just another little interesting note to add uh, as well, Lou, is it we've been having some news reports that uh, their talks are progressing with Shanghai as well. Yeah, it, it's really going to be interesting to see, you know, when we look back 10 years from now, how the landscape changes for the Disney theme park experience and, and the Disney experience worldwide. You know, what else are they going to come up with beyond the traditional uh, theme parks like, like that's been built in Tokyo and, and in Paris um, and, and in Hong Kong? So it's going to be interesting to see, uh, like I said, what happens. But that's going to do it for this week's news and rumors. Like I said, there was a lot to cover. And again, I think a lot of these things really, uh, it was fun to sort of talk about them a little bit in this back and forth way. So I appreciate you coming on, Jeff, and helping me out as always. Thanks for having me, Louis. I had a good time. About five years ago, just as I was starting to get involved in the online Disney community, I read about an event that was happening in New Jersey called the Disney Fan Meet. And really having no clue what that was or actually what went on there, I inquired a bit more and found out that it was being held practically in my backyard in Edison, New Jersey. So I communicated via email with the coordinator of the event, and next thing you know, I was signed up to go and was actually going to even host a trivia game for everyone, again, never having even attended one of these events. So partially out of curiosity and admittedly partially as a way to maybe start spreading the word about my new book and website, I threw caution to the wind and made my way with my young wife and daughter in tow. And uh, I can tell you now that along the way I told my wife, listen, if this is really stupid, we're going to play the sick card or the tired baby routine and we're out of here. But I stepped foot in the door and next thing you know, this kind older gentleman was carrying my wife's bag up the stairs along with a stroller And it was a really nice start to an experience that honestly changed my life because I sat in a room for a few hours, curious and admittedly somewhat skeptical, with 45 or so complete strangers, some of whom I now consider to be very good friends. And one of those people that I'm now honored to call my friend is the founder of that meet, which is now known as Magic Meets, and he is Fred Block. And uh, Fred, all I can say is you've come a long way, baby. (laughs) <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Lou. Uh, that's a very flattering uh, opening there. I'm blushing here as you're describing well, you, it. Well, you wrote it and sent it to me, so I had to read it exactly as it was. <laughs> you weren't supposed to tell everybody that. <laughs> but, no, uh, that's, that's, that's actually funny you bring that up because uh, that is, a, that is a, one of the cooler memories uh, of that. Uh, you, you know, a lot of people were very hesitant uh, to come that to the meet then. Uh, you know, that was before when, before. Before that meet, people were all just getting together at you know uh, food courts in the mall and, and going their separate ways, and it just didn't seem really all right. So, uh, I think I kind of changed the idea of how how a meet should be. I think. Well, like I said, I mean, this year's marking the, the fifth anniversary of uh, of the event. Obviously, something that's grown from forty five to one hundred and fifty to five hundred plus people, um, and I think. I think maybe only me and John Rick and maybe a handful of other people are, are the only ones that have been to all of them. And I'm, and I'm very happy of that. I'm happy that I was able to get to go to all of them. 
Yeah, no, no, and that that is uh, you definitely can attest to the growth and and how how every year you know we we've tried to to plus the event and make it a little better and change things and you know adjust things every year you know we we do a survey at the end of every meet to to get feedback and I take it seriously and we try to see if we can take that feedback and do things better to to make the following year even more magical and uh, uh you know i think we have a recipe for success i think i'm getting used to doing this now and uh i'm, I'm really excited for our fifth year it's a big deal for me well you know the one thing that's remained constant through all five years um has been the stress level that you have worrying even though last year sold out in 10 days you still worry about the meat selling out and are people gonna come so <laughs> <laughs> you know it's 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 it, I guess it's because I'm I'm so I'm so particular at the way things have to be done and and you know and and I, and I'm signing my name on the line. This isn't a business, you know. So I get a little worried, you know. I got to make sure that you know I'm not going to be responsible for you know twenty five thousand dollars worth of uh, conference I, rental. And- I'm laughing because you say a little worried and you forget that I I see you face to face multiple times during the year. That little worried is so far of an understatement. <laughs> How you have any everybody to think that? How you have any hair or a, a family left? I have no idea. Oh, uh, you know, I, I, it's funny you say that because you your know, wife just left you tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually yeah no um, it, it's it's the past three or four weeks I, I've been I've been really really putting a lot of time into Magic Meets. You know, obviously the registration is a huge part of this, and that's what we're going through now. And we have over 900 people in the registration system. Um, yeah, Fred, I, you know, if I were you, I'd be really worried about it selling out this year. Yeah, I, actually, I am a little worried. You know, just just a little bit. But uh, um, and and you know, my my wife is is like you know is very patient. You know, for the most part. But this this week, uh, my younger daughter Haley actually came up to me while I was working down in my office, and she said, "Daddy, are you gonna come up and watch TV with us tonight?" And I was like, oh, you know, and that's definitely a surefire sign that I'm obviously not putting enough time in with them. But, but you know, I, after after the payments go and, and that, you know, then things will start to slow down a little bit more and then and it becomes a little bit easier. This is just a really nervous time for me right now. Well, I mean, you know, because it's grown so much and, you know, we said half jokingly how it's grown literally from the 45 people to 500 plus, you know, I, I can understand. It's like planning a wedding every year on a big level. But let's just very quickly, Fred, for people who might not be familiar with what Magic Meets is, tell them, you know, when it is and where it is and, and what it is. Well, um, I like to think of Magic Meets as a... As you know, an escape for those of us who really love all things Disney. And that's not just, you know, Disney World. It could be Disneyland. It could be Disney movies, Disney music, anything Disney, you know. Um, you know, and, and, and what we do is not all of us really have the ability to, to go to Disney World more than once a year or more than twice a year. And and this this here is us bringing a, a huge piece of is a huge piece of Disney uh, the atmosphere, the community, you know, the people uh, together in one place for, for one or two days where, you know, no matter who you're sitting next to or who you're talking with or, or anyone in the room of the 500 plus people, you're definitely going to have one major thing in common. And, and that's the love of Disney. And, and that's one of the things I think is, is the main reason. It's, it's, a, it's an excuse to get together, do Disney without going to Disney, so to speak. And for those of you who may be skeptical, probably like I was, 
you know, you say, wait a minute. We all probably have the people, we all have the friends and, and family that say, wait a minute, you're going to Disney World again? And then you say, well, wait a minute, you're going to Camp Hill, Pennsylvania to talk about this? You know, it, it sounds weird when you say it that way, but it's such an amazing time because, like I said, we all have that common thread, that common bond. And there's so much going on. Tell us a little bit about, especially specifically this year, maybe some of the, the, the sponsors and the people and the attendees and, and uh, speakers that are going to be there. Well, we definitely have. Uh, we're still working a lot on the speaker schedule. There's, you know, new people being added every day. Um, we have a lot of sponsors this year. Uh, you know, every year I, I, I reach out to my sponsors to help make this event th- what it is because, you know, they do. They are a, a, an integral part to the success every single year. Um, and it was without their support, and 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 that includes you too, Lou, and, and the Disney World trivia site, and and the auction. You know, without that support every year, I don't really think the event would be the same. So, you know, I have I have all ears, and and Steve Barrett from the Hidden Mickey's is coming back, and Kathy's Christmas, and Mouse Fan Travel. You know, uh, this year we've also added Diz Friends, and uh, DVC by Resales is coming, and you know, uh, Passporter, you know, Goodie Pack. You know, there's a there's a there's a mix and match. You know, uh, Tim Foster and the Guide to the Magic. You know. There's a mix and match of, of a lot of you know the sponsors that have been coming every year, and then there's a lot of new ones that are coming. Um, and uh, also, Mouse Surplus uh, just recently signed on; they're going to be coming as well. So you have, you know, so for people who have never been there before, in addition to the room filled with tables with 500 plus people, um, and you know, dinner is served and what, there's sponsor tables that surround the perimeter where you can go and meet some of the authors and webmasters and podcasters and, and sort of internet celebrities. Um, some of whom might be selling things, some of whom might be there just to kind of introduce you to the community. But there's a lot more to it than just that. It's not just a room where you kind of throw everybody in. There's a lot of events that go on. And like you said, there's different speakers that are there throughout the day and, and some other things. But And this year, more so than any other, it's really grown from a single-day event to a three-day event. So if you can kind of maybe take us through what goes on on the three days and maybe what they can expect in the main day of the Magic Meet. Absolutely. Uh, like I said, uh, the survey is a, is a crucial, integral part to the success of this event. And, and that's because uh, two to 300 people every year uh, since the 06 event have given us uh, more insight as to what they would like to see for that weekend. And remember, a lot of people are not just from Pennsylvania. Um, you know, as, as is the common belief, you know, we're ha- we have people coming from Canada and Florida and North Carolina and, you know, Virginia and, and I mean, all over the the northeast, southeast. I mean, it's it's hard to believe, but last year I think we had 21 states representing, somehow, some way. So, what we've done is slowly, slowly introduce new events that would allow us to extend the magic a little bit. Um, last year we dabbled a little bit to see if there was there would be enough interest for people to to come and do a Friday night, a very small Friday night event. Um, it was it was wildly successful. Uh, there was a lot of demand for for us to be able to allow more people. So and that was direct feedback from the survey. And so this year we are introducing the meat before the magic. Um, this is going to be a larger meet uh, for a for an additional fee uh, above and beyond. But it's going to be open to approximately 100 people. We're going to have uh, hot appetizers. We're going to have dessert offerings and coffee and tea and all that. And, and, and a little way for you to mingle with everybody and kind of get psyched up for the, for the day's events on Saturday. Um, so that's one way that we're, we're plussing the, the weekend. 
And Saturday, of course, the, the main event, uh, we're actually extending the day a little bit. Um, we're changing the way the breakouts are being done this year. Uh, last year, we had, I think, 11 total breakout sessions. And what I found, and, and also direct feedback from the survey, was that they were all a little bit too short. Um, so the funny thing is, Lou, uh, everybody, it was, 50, it was nearly 50-50 that people wanted longer breakouts and more breakouts. <laughs> now, you, you knowing the <laughs> schedule and the way it ran, I mean, there wasn't any time to do more or less. So some of the, what we had to do is I had to figure out what would be more important. Would it, would it be more important to have a longer session and less total or total sessions or have more sessions but make them shorter? And I think I came up with the right idea. And, and what we're doing is we're doing six total sessions this year, at least as of right now. Um, and they're going to be longer by at least 20 minutes this year. Uh, which will give you more time to kind of relax and, and, and have the speakers also go through a Q&A period. Um, and uh, along with that, I think I'm trying to stagger the start and end times of each session so that the hallway isn't as crowded with people all trying to go to the three rooms at the same time. So that's something I'm doing for Saturday. And Saturday night, we're still working on some additional plans. And we also have one more possible plan that's cooking for Friday night as well after the meet before the magic. Um, I can let you guys in on a little secret. And that's that we are planning a, a game that is going to be similar to Name That Tune. And we call it Magic Tunes. And that's cooking right now for a Saturday breakout. But it's also might be cooking for something on Friday night. And I'll have to say that you're going to have to keep your ears open to see how that works out. Um, and last but not least, uh, we are also expanding uh, by trying to see if we can do some what I call uh, breakfast and breakouts on Sunday morning. So the plan is, is you're staying in the hotel Saturday night more than likely. Um, and Sunday morning, obviously, you want to get together and you want to kind of relive a little bit of yesterday's magic, which would have been Saturday. And, and, that, and this is the perfect opportunity. So we're going to have this huge buffet offering, uh, again, for an additional fee just to try to help us cover the cost. And right after breakfast, uh, there's going to be more than likely one or two breakout sessions, additional exclusive breakout sessions to Sunday only. And for those that don't do the breakouts, they also have the option of going to do our early entry offering and Hershey Park as well, just like we did last year. Cool. So that's that's a pretty much a, as quick as a rundown as I can give you uh, without running and babbling. <laughs> oh, that you that happened far too long ago. <laughs> <That's all right>. <laughs> <laughs> see, see. <laughs> Um, there was a couple of things I wanted to just mention real quick too. Um, you know, one thing that that I feel really fortunate you've allowed us to do as as part of Magic Meets for the, for the past few years, um, and you talk about things growing and being more successful, is uh, the charity auction that we run for the Disney World Dream Team. And last year, far beyond any expectations that I ever could have imagined, thanks to such generous donations from sponsors and individuals and the time spent in all you know for for the people that volunteer their time and, and come to the meet just to help out with this we raised nine thousand uh, dollars that went right to the make-a-wish foundation uh, of america to to allow some seriously ill children to get a chance to go and experience you know something that we all love and, and means so much to us so you know i thank you for allowing us to come back this year 
Um, again, we talk about things being bigger and better. Um, work really started the day after last year's Magic Meet ended. And uh, again, just thanks to all the hard work of the volunteers and you giving us sort of the opportunity to be a part of it. Uh, we're really looking forward to things and having, again, like I said, taking some of the feedback in the surveys from last year, having some very, very unique and fun items um, to auction off this year. Um, as part of the event, and uh, again, it, it all goes to a good cause and just shows you the uh, the real wonderful community that we're all a part of. Lou, I got to tell you, um, I, I if I had to pick off one of the one of the highlights of my day last year, it was you sitting down on the stage, and um, and Pat coming over. Her face was like flush. It was like it was so unusual. Like, I, like we, like I sat there looking, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what are we looking at here? <laughs> and 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 when she turned that, when she turned that whiteboard around and 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 showed us that we had raised nine thousand dollars, nine thousand dollars. And I think after, I think the initial, the initial response obviously was that the room went silent. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, everybody just started cheering and clapping and crying. Was, uh, I mean, people were crying. I mean, yeah, that, you I know. know, it was it was all you could do to try. I mean, that's those and those are tears of joy. You know, it, it is a to me. I think it's a tremendous deal because you're not only you're not only saying it's nine thousand dollars, but that's that's more than twice what you raised the year before, Lou. Yeah, uh, it's a testament to the people that come and the people that work so hard and. and you know, everything else. So it's something I really look forward to as a part of the meet, and I'm really happy and thankful that we're able to do it again um, this year. Um, and we're going to have more details coming out as uh, as we move forward and as we get closer. And again, you know, I don't think we, I don't even think we mentioned the date. I don't even think we said what the date was. Magic Meets is actually July 19th, or really the weekend. It's going to span from July 18th through the 20th. Um, and for more information, obviously, you can go to magicmeets.com. Um, there's also, Freddie, we're able to, to secure discount hotel rates. Uh, it's going to be held right at the Radisson Plant Penn Harris Hotel and Convention Center. You have a link to that website and the group rate code on your site. Um, the, the, the rate that you were able to get was wonderful. And really, it's nice because you can make a whole weekend out of it. And it's very family friendly. It's totally kid friendly, you know, from very, very young kids to teenagers. There's, there's something for everybody. Uh, especially because of the different speakers and stuff that you have and sponsors you have coming. Oh, yeah. Speaking of speakers, uh, wouldn't you want to talk about something maybe? I don't know if you want. I don't know if you were ready to kind of, you know, trickle some of that <laughs> information out or not. You like to keep I, these I things close to I say this is as good a time as any, my friend. So uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, and share a little bit with everyone about what you're planning on doing. All right. I, I am and was honored to be invited to speak again um, this year, in the past, I've done things like trivia contests, and last year I talked about uh, the seven wonders of Walt Disney World. And this year we thought we would kind of mix it up a little bit and do something a little bit different. And one of the segments that I do on the show, obviously, are the DSIs, the Disney Scene Investigations, where we really try and point out some of the secrets and hidden treasures and the overlooked experiences that you can have at Walt Disney World. And we thought this would be a great venue to try and do an audio-visual sort of live DSI segment. So Jeff is going to join me, and we are going to do uh, a DSI at Magic Meets of Muppet Vision 3D, which uh, is just filled with so many sight gags and so many just you know funny things. It's attraction that that's really loved by everybody and appeals, I think, to a pretty broad audience and 
you know, coincidentally enough, you held Muppet Meets at Magic at Mousefest last year, so it, it was a nice tie in that way. So uh, we're really looking forward to, to doing this thing. This, this is going to be a lot of fun. And I think that your DSI is certainly going to do well with the additional breakout session time because uh, I think you're going to need it. <laughs> what are you trying to say? There's a, whole, there's a whole lot of stuff to talk about. I mean, you could spend an hour on, on just the pre-show. <laughs> and we have. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's right. You have. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, uh, we're excited about it. And, and, again, I thank you for inviting me um, to do it. So it should be a lot of fun. So yeah, and, and I'm looking forward to it as well. And and there, little by little, we're going to be announcing a lot more as it comes. Um, at, like I said, my primary priority right now is getting payments and everything out of the way. Uh, once that's all done, I'm going to be able to focus more attention into uh, the schedule and 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 more speaker information as it comes. Um, oh, you know what? I don't think anybody wants to know about one of our grand prizes, though. No, no. Why would you want to talk about that now? Yeah. Uh, well, we could talk about that later. Then, I guess. <laughs> um, I'm I'm really excited because uh, you know uh, All Star Vacation Homes actually uh, is is an exclusive uh, vacation home provider for this year's Magic Meets, and uh, they've they've donated one one heck of a grand prize um, for for this year, and that's a totally free seven night stay in a private pool vacation home within five miles of Disney. And that's and that's a just to give everybody an idea. That includes you know multiple master bedrooms, private pool, spa, game room, internet, everything. It's like a twenty six hundred dollar value, uh, and that's going to be somebody's lucky one of the lucky grand prizes that we're going to be giving away that day. Now I've I've actually seen these homes, and if you go to All Star Vacations Homes, you can go and check them out. It has really got to be seen to be believed because you've got this palatial like a state all to yourself and you're right outside the gates of Disney and, and I'll tell you something that is a very 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 cool prize um, so that's uh, just just sort of a sampling I guess of things to come yep uh, and again it really is a sampling we're also working on a lot of other great things you know it's it's a high it's high gear time that's what I call it high gear High gear, high stress, whatever you guys call it in the block household. <laughs> Either one. Publicly, it's high gear. You know exactly what yeah, it means. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But what I would suggest you do is if you're not signed up for it already, go over to magicmeets.com, sign up for their email newsletter. That's where Fred will give you information as it's available. Also, you can go and register at magicmeets.com. Now, it, Fred, explain to already. Registration does not mean you are signed up for the event. Registration just means you are registered in the system and will give you an opportunity to actually buy your tickets sometime, I assume, in the near future. Yeah, essentially what it, what I used to use it primarily for was to try to gauge interest and see how many people we were looking at. Um, in this case, though, because the venue doesn't allow for us to grow much more than the 550 or so people, um, right now it's just it's a great opportunity. If you have like three or four people that you need on your ticket, it's a great opportunity for you to get your, your name in there, get everything all set up. You have a username and a password. And then when we announce payments, which is going to be very soon, um, you're already, you know, all of the work is pretty much done. You just got to log in and you just have to click on that, you know, pay with PayPal button and then boom, automatically makes your, uh, your, reg your registration a uh, confirmed ticket to the meet. Now, I don't know anything beyond what you've told me so far, but you said very soon in, in, a, in a, 
I don't know. Your 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 tone and your inflection there made me think that very soon means very soon. And despite what Fred says, I don't care what you, when Fred releases the 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 date to start making payments. I if you want to come to Magic Meets, I would hop on that very quickly because I don't think that you're going to hit that ten day sellout mark. I think you might if you hit five, I'd be very very surprised. Well, you know my feelings on that. You know I'm a uh, I'll believe it when I see it kind of guy. So. You know what? Uh, again, I'm very flattered by it. You know, I, I really like that there's a lot of demand. I really like that a lot of people want to go, and, and and many of them coming back. You know, last year we had a 30% return ratio. 30% of the people who came, I'd been to at least one of my meets, um, and that's really that's also a, a testament to what we've accomplished in, in almost five years now. So I'm, I'm I'm very excited. And yes, if it sells out quickly, you know that's great. I, I hope that everybody you know gets a chance to get in. I'm trying to make it as fair as possible. But uh, yes, very soon means very soon. <laughs> you know, people are cursing you out right now. They just open it up. Let me pay. So I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, it's um, I can't I can't say exactly. I just you know, again, I, I can't emphasize it enough. Be ready. Watch the newsletter because that's where it's gonna you're gonna hear about it first on the newsletter. And and no, it's my number one priority right now. And we're close. We're really close. So it's just a matter of, of finishing up a couple things. And I would say, like I said, you're gonna be you're gonna be hearing something pretty soon. And you know, jump on those, uh, get your trigger fingers ready and <laughs> aim and fire. It's gonna be like trying to get Hannah Montana tickets. People are gonna have you know these bots <laughs> trying to get tickets. <laughs> Well, what a comparison, Lou. <laughs> and, and I'm not nearly as cute either. The secondary market for Magic Meets tickets on eBay is going to be, you know. So, but listen, but I, I am, uh, I am really excited about it this year. Um, I, I'm not just saying it because I have to. That it's, it's the highlight of the year for me. It's something I, I look forward to every year, um, especially as, as far as you know, Disney-related things go. Um, I too will be sitting by the computer waiting for the announcement so I can get my tickets for more information go to magicmeets.com you can find out a lot more about this year's event as well as past events there's photo galleries there's links to some of the sponsors that are going to be there this year really give you an idea of what's going on and obviously stay tuned for uh, for when Fred finally decides to uh, release payments and open that up and then hop on that quickly so Fred buddy thank you very much um Again, hope that Ritalin starts to kick in soon. Uh, July is just a couple of months away. <laughs> Lou, thank you very much for having me, and uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you in July. And uh, tell your wife congratulations on, on finally being canonized a saint. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that that goes a little bit your way also. <laughs> Does, do you even, do you even recognize your wife anymore? You spent so much time in your office. <laughs> I'm doing this so I can keep her in the lifestyle she's accustomed to. <laughs> yeah, I think that's almost as good. I think people believe that as much as they believe your research trip. <laughs> I, you know, I heard the last show where you were saying, you know, hmm, I haven't done the Keys to the Kingdom tour in a while. Man, you know, I think I could do another research trip. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, listen, I got to go pack, so... <laughs> <laughs> Lou, thank you so much for having me on. I had a great time. Thanks, buddy.
that's all the time we have for this week's show. I want to say thanks to Jeff Pepper for coming on and joining me in the news and rumors section this week, as well as Fred Block. For more information about Magic Meat, you can go and visit him at magicmeat.com. For more information and links to some of the topics we discussed this week, you can visit our show notes page at wdwradio.com. On the site, you'll also find links and more information about some other friends of the show, including OrlandoFunTickets.com, where you can get authorized and official Walt Disney World tickets at the best possible discounted price. And of course, OwnersLocker.com, your purple storage locker that's delivered to and from your resort. Like I said, I just came back from Disney World this week. I used and enjoyed my locker. I highly recommend going out and checking out OwnersLocker.com, where you can also sign up for your free trial. Just a quick reminder to please come by and visit the all-new DisneyWorldTrivia.com site. We just launched the beta version of the site, as well as updated forums. The trivia section has been completely updated and expanded with hundreds of new entries. There's also new articles, a new blog, and many more new features. Also come by and visit and join our fun and very friendly, very welcoming community over in the forums. The forums have recently received a bit of a facelift themselves, as well as implemented some new features. Come by, join us to talk about anything Disney. Like I said, it's fun and it's free. You can find the link over at DisneyWorldTrivia.com to the forums on the homepage. We now have more than 25,000 members and are still growing each and every day. So again, I invite you to come by and be a part of the DisneyWorldTrivia.com family. On upcoming shows, we have some more exclusive interviews that I think you're really going to enjoy. We're also going to go back and revisit some old features that we used to have on the show, as well as introduce a few new segments and new special guests. Of course, I still want the show to be interactive, so if you have an idea for a segment or a topic that you'd like to see covered on the show, or if you have a question that you need answered, you can either email me at lou at wdwradio.com, or you can call the voicemail anytime at 206-202-4WDW. It's an easy way for you to get on the air with your question or your comments or opinions, or if you just want to give us a call from the parks and say hello. Also, this Monday, March 3rd at 8 p.m., I invite you to go on over to UAB Magic, where a friend of the show, Tim Foster from GuideToTheMagic.com, will be hosting a live text chat. So if you have any questions for Tim that you might want answered, here's a chance to talk to Tim live one-on-one. Again, that's UAB Magic. That's Monday, March 3rd at 8 p.m. I also want to say thanks to everybody who's been sending me photos for the DisneyWorldTrivia.com website. I am still looking for pictures from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Not anything specific, really, but if you have any extinct attractions or extinct shops, or even just some of the exteriors or interiors of some of the buildings, I'd love for you to send those over to me. You can email me at lou at wdwradio.com, and I'd really appreciate those. Finally, I want to say quick thank you to everybody I had a chance to meet this past weekend in Walt Disney World that came over and said hello. It was really nice to get a chance to meet you, and I appreciate you coming over and saying hi. So that is going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again for listening. If you like what you hear, please help spread the word. Please review the show in iTunes. But most of all, have a great week. See ya. Good morning, Lou. This is Lori from Snellville, Georgia. But this morning, I'm calling you from the shores of the beautiful Beach Club down here at Walt Disney World. And I'm here with my drama students this week, and we're taking classes backstage through Disney's Youth Education Series. And yesterday, the first thing we did when we arrived was I gave them a tour of Main Street USA with all the information from your audio CD, which was amazing, and you made me look like a genius. But, of course, I gave the credit where credit was due. <laughs> very, very much. And also want to tell you that I'm going to be using a lot of information from you and Jeff's BSI segments. Actually, my students have a mini-lecture waiting for them in every park based on your information. 
So thanks so much for sharing all that with us. Also wanted to encourage my fellow educators out there to take a look at Disney Yes or Youth Education Series. My drama students this week are taking backstage classes in improvisational skills, animation, and film production. They also have classes in the sciences and the humanities, so it's a really great program, and I think it's one of Disney's hidden treasures. Thanks again for all you do, and especially for all the information that's made this trip of mine the best one with my students in all the 10 years that I've been doing this. Thanks, Lou. Talk to you soon. Hey, Lou, this is Mike Belisles down in Greenville, Kentucky. I'm listening to your podcast now. I'm able to listen to it at work sometimes, so that works out real good. But uh, I was wanting to leave a message about what do you, what do you think they ought to do over there with uh, where they used to have the river country at on that island over there. Uh, you said it started to look like a ghost town over there, real dilapidated and run down. Uh, why don't they turn it into some kind of uh, haunted island or or something more that they can come over during uh, Halloween or maybe during uh, during all the year? And because uh, people like uh, Haunted houses, and uh, uh, I think a haunted island would be good. Uh, people would come to it. See you later. Bye.